This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hi, I'm Anif Baharuddin and this is Gigi Wellplayed, BFM's video game show. In this episode, we will be giving you our impressions of Call of the Lamb, developed by Massive Monster and published by Devolver Digital. But before that, here's a recap of some of the biggest news in the world of gaming with Ofnil Ting and Daryl Ong. Hello, let's start this week's roundup with another acquisition story. Yes, that seems to be the theme of 2022 with companies buying or increasing their stakes in other companies. This time around, it's the latter with both Sony Interactive Entertainment and Tencent increasing their stakes in from software, makers of the potential game of the year, Elden Ring. According to Gematsu, who published a press release from Kadokawa Corporation, Six Joy Hong Kong, a subsidiary of Tencent Holdings, has acquired 16.25%. Off from software's shares. Sony Interactive Entertainment, meanwhile, has acquired 14.09%, but despite these purchases, Kadokawa Corporation is still a major shareholder of From Software with 69.66% of the shares. Yeah, while not really involved in blockbuster deals per se, Sony has been quite busy with their purchases this year, with this one being the latest and most recent. Just this week, they acquired Savage Game Studios with the intention of bolstering its PlayStation Studios mobile division. Of course, there was also a big deal with Bungie, makers of Destiny, that cost them $3.6 billion. And in the most recent deal, they also acquired at Haven Studios, helmed by Jade Raymond, former Ubisoft developer that's part of the early Assassin's Creed franchise. This coupled with industry-wide purchases by other companies that include NetEase acquiring Quantic Dream, Take-Two Interactive buying Zynga, and of course, the biggest of them all, Microsoft's purchase of Activision Blizzard, goes to show that maybe this is indeed the year of acquisitions. Will it change the landscape of the gaming industry? Maybe it's worth analysing this sometime down the line. Moving on, we have a rumour concerning Konami and their old title, Shrikoden. As we all know, Konami may not be the best at managing their biggest IPs, but they're now planning to capitalise on one of their classic IPs, Shodokan. Posters on Reddit have spotted a renewed trademark for the game that was filed in Mexico. It was actually filed back in July, but was only recently spotted by the sharp eyes of Redditors. As usual, speculation is now rife that maybe a new Suikoden title could be announced at a coming Tokyo game show. If you take into effect the timing of the filing, it would definitely be interesting to see a new Suikoden game since 2006. Mm. Konami recently released their lineup for TGS 2022, including a unannounced game and a 45-minute presentation. Some fans have speculated that the unannounced game could be a new Silent Hill game since there was a leak of a blurry screenshot of an alleged Silent 2 remake, but could it also be Shudokan? Or maybe even both? Fans of Silent Hill who has been clamouring for a remake of that beloved franchise would definitely want that, but they have been hopeful for years. We would love to see their dream come true, but you can never tell. Hmm. Next on the agenda is the Steam Deck. While this new console is still selling well and surprising many, Valve is apparently not resting on its laurel and has confirmed that further versions and iterations of the console are currently in development. Gaming on Linux discovered a new Steam Deck booklet which essentially hinted at follow-ups to Valve's portable console. Yeah, the booklet reads, and I quote, Steam Deck represents the first in a new category of Steam handheld gaming PCs. In the future, Valve will follow up on this product with improvements and reiterations to hardware and software, bringing new versions of Steam Deck to the market. The booklet also refers to Steam Deck 
as a multi-generational product line with Valve promising to support Steam Deck and SteamOS for the foreseeable future. Hmm. It's good to see Valve committing to their physical product considering their not-so-great track record when it comes to devices from Steam Machine to the unique Steam Controller considering how unique and powerful Steam Deck is. We as gamers would love to see the Steam Deck be supported for years to come with different iterations in the future. We also hope that it'll be more widely available here in Malaysia. We're going to end the news coverage with a nod to Arcane, the League of Legends animated spin-off that has won an Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program. The show managed to starve off competition from giants in the scene, including The Simpsons, Rick and Morty, What If, and Bob's Burgers, becoming the first streaming series to win in that category. Mm, it's definitely a big win for a series that's been getting rave reviews by not only fans of the game, but non-gamers as well. Arcane Act 1 launched on Netflix last November and followed two of... Uh, League of Legends most popular champions sisters Jinx and Vi in and around the rich city of Piltover and the press underground city of Zone the series was so overwhelmingly successful that Riot Games confirmed that a second season was in works weeks after season 1's arrival yeah congrats to Arcane that's all we have for this week's news back to you Hanif thank you very much Daryl and Ofnil Cult of the Lamb, developed by Massive Monster and published by Devolver Digital, has become a bit of a cult hit. Please pardon the pun, ever since it was released earlier last month. It may not be as famous as a lot of the AAA releases, but it has been receiving rave reviews. So to find out more about the game and whether it really delivers, we speak to BFM's Najman Maliki. He's been playing the game since it was released, and here are his impressions. Alrighty, okay. Um, so let's give a brief picture of what the game is about. So my brief picture would be I always tell people Imagine if Hades The roguelite roguelite game Had a baby with Animal Crossing <laughs> Essentially oh, okay. that's what it is <laughs> Alright two, two, two different genres though To be fair Not two different genres I mean two different themes If you would like yeah. if, if that's more accurate yes. yeah. it's, it's very um, It's two different themes But I think Cult of the Lamb made it work they made it really work uh, in my personal view um, when I first I mean I, it was in my radar I was looking at a lot of news about it it looked really interesting okay, so first thing first as the name suggests it's a lamb you play a lamb and you're creating a cult and because you're playing a lamb it's a cutesy game so that was the first thing that caught my attention when news first came out it's a cutesy game that is a roguelike or roguelike up to you I'm just going to call, call it roguelike <laughs> from now on for the podcast but um, yeah so it's a cutesy roguelike so that was very interesting to me um, and then when the review came out it is actually a roguelike with a lot of resource management strategy if you will built into it so that that to me was really interesting um, and I think I can I think I'm not very far off when I'm saying it's actually a lot like Animal Crossing had a baby with Hades. You got your um, bashing, bashing, roguelike experience. But once you go back to your cult, um, you have to take care of the food. You have to start planting things. You have to clear your lawn. You have to make sure that everything is clean. No, no, no poop on the ground. So yeah, that's what I mean by um, Hades. Uh, merging with um, Animal Crossing. It's really great. 
let's go into it deeper but yeah that's that's a brief of the game Yeah, that's the thing, right? I mean, if you think about it, um, I don't know whether this is the first, but it feels like when you, when you mentioned Rogue Light, I was expecting something more like Hades, you know, something that's a bit more um, action-driven, right? Um, repetitive in nature and whatnot. But the fact that yeah, he has that Animal Crossing element where his resource management and, and whatnot makes it a bit more intriguing to a certain extent. Uh, and I think your brief description there sort of, like, I think, gave it a clearer picture of the game. Uh, is that why you're attracted to it in the first place? Considering that I think it's not a typical uh, road light in that sense formula wise yeah so i mean um one thing about road lights uh, that that really kind of pains me most of the time is because it's just somewhat painful right you play you run one run you spend 10 minutes you die you run the same run slightly similar run spend another 10 minutes you die every time you die you get stronger and then you run another run It's just like that. It's it's quite repetitive. Most of the time, it's um fun, and then there's a bit of a, you get slight change in the um in the whole um uh, procedural maps and stuff like that. But that's about it. Um, it's just you kind of like trying to beat yourself over and over again and trying to get to the final boss. But uh, with Kaladana, I really wanted to see what is the resource management aspect. How would that go into a particular roguelite and I think Carl Delam re- did it really well so just getting straight into it a typical roguelite like Hades for example you run one run you get some resource at the end of the run and then from that resource you basically build your character up but with Carl Delam you get as you can imagine cult members right so the whole game um, revolves around you being resurrected by this one old deity and you're supposed to kind of um, fight the uh, current deities and then take over the world with your cult. You're representing this deity now. Um, the deity didn't choose to put the... Uh, or rather resurrect a lamb, <laughs> but in this case he did. Um, so hence the story. But every time you run, most of the time you will get either resources or followers, a cult member. And then these cult members, whenever you finish your run, you go back to your cult, you go back to your village, if you will. These cult members will actually then help you become better. So um, they will kind of help you upgrade your character. So the more cult members you have, the faster you grow as a character, the stronger you get. But the thing is, as you might imagine... The more cult members you have, the more resource management you have to think about. You have to now start planting a lot more plants to basically feed them. You now have to um, build more sleeping quarters. You now have to clean up their after their mess. You have to build a toilet. You have to bury the dead. You have and they don't live too long. They live like three, four days. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. And then uh, I think the resource management part is a huge. I would say even like a game on its own. So um, in in the resource management itself, it's built into it um, the fact that because it plays around the idea of a cult, the fact that they they start to <laughs> they start to like lose faith in you. So you have to make sure that they have faith. And I think this is where it gets extremely interesting. So 
as a typical um, uh, roguelike game uh, is built, right? It's most of the time not for kids because you're going around killing stuff, right? Most of the time. So, Call of the Lamb is not, not, definitely not for kids. And the joke that they do is so interesting because the game is cute. It's very cutesy. Every single thing about the game, I would say, aside from the enemies, are cute. So, what you have to do is not so cute things. Sometimes things like sacrificing your cult member <laughs> and like imprisoning your cult member and things like that. So, it's it's very interesting how they basically take the idea of a typical roguelite and then put resource management into it. And then suddenly now, you have a totally different game altogether. Now, you have to think about like making sure your crops are actually well watered your cult members are not sick and things like that. And I think the thing that's missing for me in games like, you know, Animal Crossing and the likes is always sometimes you get angry at like the game itself. Like, oh my God, this is so annoying. Why is this guy doing like this? Why is this guy doing like that? And stuff like that. In Call of the Lamb, once you, I mean, like if you are angry at one of the followers, you can quite literally sacrifice that follower. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's um, it's a really interesting take on in on 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 resource management and interesting take on um, roguelike itself. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm also reminded of not just Animal Crossing, but also games like Stardew Valley to a certain extent, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. also a very accurate way to somehow describe the resource management part of the the game um speaking of how the game is not really for kids uh, i'm just randomly going to i mean not the best resources for reviews to some extent but it's also i guess the most quote unquote common to some extent on google uh google review of the game and i think yeah there were a bunch of people here raising concerns about how it's memang technically not aimed at children it shouldn't be for children at all because of despite the cutesy graphics the Team is very dark, so so I think mm. um, how how true is that? Quite true, lah. Right, I assume. Yeah, so I can actually go deeper into how true that is, how much darkness that they, that they've put into the game. Um, so simple things like um, punishing your cult members can be quite uh, intimidating to I guess players who are not prepared mentally. So you okay? I can give an example. In the midst of your run, your playthrough, you will have members who actually will kind of like um, diverge from your cult. So you can then build them, a, you can build a prison in the game and then you can then imprison the cult member. And imprisoned cult members cannot sleep and cannot eat and <laughs> they will actually get sick faster and probably die. And you would see that um, this cult member would like be in prison and you get to call everyone to the prison and like uh, start lecturing the cult member. It's it's quite dark in that way. Um, all Aside from that, you have things like sacrificing a cult member themselves so like everyone will just gather around and then you'll do a small sacrifice. There's not a lot of blood in the game. There's not a lot of um, literal f- violence, but there's a lot of... Things like mental torture, <laughs> if you will, which might be worse. Um, but yeah, uh, that that definitely are the aspects um, of the game that that is not meant for kids. And one other thing that I guess is also not for kids, and I think it's worth mentioning as well, um, is that 
I don't quite know why, but they choose to kind of use uh, an inverted cross as a sign of your as a sign of your uh, cult. I think um, that might be uh, that might not sit well with um, some people, and I understand that. I respect that. So I think that's also good kind of warning to put in because it's not for kids. So some kids might look at that and like you know want to use kind of like that symbol they kind of altered the upside down cross a little bit more nowadays i think i i believe this is after the day zero patch so they added a few more like flames coming out of it so it looks more like a sword i think but yeah and that's one other thing that i guess it's really important to kind of like keep in mind when you're playing the game um especially if you have kids around the house That was Najiban Maliki and he's been sharing his thoughts on Cult of the Lamb, a roguelite and resource management game from Massive Monster and Devolver Digital. We're going to make way for some messages. More after this, stay tuned. This is Gigi Wellplayed on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Wellplayed. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. We're currently talking about Cult of the Lamb, a game that's currently taking the roguelite world by storm ever since it was released early last month. Najman Maliki joins me to share his impressions of the game and we're going to continue that chat. Okay, so um, talking about the aspect of the game that's pretty much, if you think about it, um, has a bit of everything to an extent. Right? I mean, it's a it's a combination of genre to an extent. Yeah. Um, I mean, despite being predominantly a roguelike, um, how laborious does the resource management get? I mean, and 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 mm. and what I mean here is that um, roguelike by itself is al- already pretty quote unquote laborious in its difficulty and also in its quote unquote repetitiveness. Um, do you feel like the resource management aspect of the game distract from from the main core of the game, or it's actually a very good uh, combination? Like you know, like like you know, as a product that combines both elements. Mm. I think um, so. At the start of the game, having the resource management thing really helps um, because when you start playing a road light you start dying a lot at the start right <clears throat> so with resource management items so basically you now have other things in the game that will help you kind of progress faster so it at the start was really helpful but um it kind of it kind of the way i think they they purposely did it this way right because you will then try and uh, recruit as many cult members as you want as you can um, to basically push your character building a lot faster because now you can buy more upgrades faster and stuff like that. So at the start, it was really, really helpful. And I think that's good at the start. But it can easily get out of hand because any like any resource management game, um, you then have to you know look after your, your sick followers. You now have to feed your followers and stuff like that. And things like that actually starts to... Um, Burden you a bit more So at least this was my playthrough So at the start I noticed that If I have like 5 followers I actually can grow my character a lot faster So what I did was I got, I got another 10 followers Just so that I can Really really grow a lot faster Than just like having 5 in my village 
But then I noticed something because I wasn't feeding them as quickly as most of them would like. One follower of mine started to um, preach against the cult, so he started going around and started converting other cult members into like disbelieving in my cult. So then that started to deteriorate my whole cult, and from there I realized, oh no, this is now a crux because I thought having this resource management um, thing is going to make my rogue like play through a lot easier. At the start, it kind of did, but then it started to like uh, bite me back in the in the butt because now I have two problems. I have to run the procedural maps, and I have to manage my resources at the back uh, of my village. So I think it's really really fun um, way of like putting challenge into a rogue. Like it it definitely is um, a good way to put your mind off of the pressure of running. Um, the 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 maps, because now you can just sit back for like maybe five minutes, start to like you know clear out bushes, um, talk to followers, do do fun things, and then you can go back to like running the the maps, which is fun. But um, you also have to keep in mind the way you are taking care of your flock, if you will. <laughs> uh, it's very important because if not. Once you finish your run, you come back and everything is in haywire. Ah, I see. All right. Um, what about the procedural run itself? Um, is it as difficult as other road lights that you've played before? Ah, right. So I think, um, in my personal view, I've played a few. So I guess the most recent one, um, uh, would be Curse of the Gods. If you don't want to. Count Sifu because I think Sifu is not procedurally generated. So yeah, Curse of the Gods. Um, this would be I would say the easiest one. Um, but uh, it's good that it's not so difficult. And of course, you can increase the difficulty um, as you play along. So there's also like a very hard difficulty if you would like it. And the very hard difficulty is is actually extremely hard. Um, you have to have a lot of skills. Um, they do have um, the enemies lighting up right before they attack you, um, so you would notice that oh, this particular enemy is trying to do something to me and stuff like that. So you can actually react a lot faster, uh, and and I think um, the the time that they gave for your reaction towards an enemy's move is a lot more generous than say Hades or Curse of the Gods. But I think that's a that's a thing that they have to put that into the game. Or else it will just be a bit too much because your your runs will be a bit too difficult, and then you have to resource manage, and that's also difficult. Um, so I think this is a good balance between the um, difficulty of the runs itself. Uh, one thing that's quite quite interesting is that uh, in in a lot of games like uh, uh, and a lot of road likes, you usually don't have a map per se. In this particular game, uh, you do have a map, and then the map is quite clearly, I would say to a certain extent, um, uh, indicative of what you're going to go into into the next like room, right? So if you uh, play Hades, for example, the next room uh, sometimes can be a bit of a of a gamble and things like that. Uh, in Call of the Lamb, it's less of that. It's more clearly stated. Okay, you're going into a room where you get new weapons, so you're going to a room that you get. New powers for the run, um, uh, and I think the enemies itself are, are 
a lot easy, uh, somewhat easier. I wouldn't say a lot easier, somewhat easier. Lah, I would say it's the easiest road ride that that I've played this year. Um, but that having said that, again, the resource management when you put that into a road ride, it becomes a whole different ball game altogether. <laughs> Anything you dislike about the game? Yeah, so I think uh, I did mention about the upside down cross. Upside down cross might not be the best way to go, in my personal view. Um, but aside from that, um, personally, I do feel like the dark parts of the game is a bit too dark. So I think I can I can give an example, and I think I can make it a lot easier for people to kind of like um, understand. Uh, imagine something uh, humorous along the lines of um, South Park or um, Rick and Morty. So if you can uh, take humor like South Park or Rick and Morty, then Call of the Lamb is right up your alley. The humor is a lot along those lines. But but because for me personally, because the characters are also cute. Ah, I think um, Happy Three Friends is also a great example. If you can <laughs> take the humor from Happy Three Friends, exactly, then then this is really up your alley. But but you know, for me personally, there's always uh, uh, <laughs> the the small <laughs> soft Najman in the back of my mind who. Uh, suffers a little bit more when I see uh one cute horsey being tortured, <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, I think if uh that that would be the part that I quite dislike about the game, but it's a part of the game and I think uh it's very interesting the way they delivered it. Um, aside from that, I think um the the progression is is quite interesting, right? So. There are certain things in the game that they will ask you to do. Say, for example, you have to get the logs, or maybe you have to get some stones and stuff like that. So, because it is actually part of the tutorial, it's trying to teach you how to get the logs or whatever. Um, you might have gone and done something else. So, in the, in the initial part of the game, I actually there was there was this log gathering thingy that I didn't know that was coming up. But I understood as a start of the game, oh, this is what you can do with logs. So I kind of like splurged through all my logs and finished up all the resources. And then when the tutorial for that logging thing came about, I had to wait quite a lo- quite a while to basically just like get back my logs. I have to go and find like logs in the wild stuff like that. So. I thought that that wasn't so well put because they are actually still running you through the tutorial maybe like four hours into the game. Um, so I, 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 yeah, that's another bit that I didn't particularly like. I, I always feel like if you want to do um, something that is quite trivial, I think resource management is always quite trivial. How do you collect logs? How do you collect gold and things like that? Um, you should just do it at the start and then let the players do what they want to do afterwards. Um, but... Yeah, just keep in mind whenever you see a tutorial, um, just just yeah, just keep in mind the fact that you might have to spend a bit more time than you would like, uh, because you might not have the resources that you need for that particular tutorial. But yeah, aside from that, it's it's a really really well, extremely polished game. I have to say, I'm super floored by. The um, sound actually, because the music itself is so catchy. Uh, it's got this kind of like cartoony but evil vibe to it. So <laughs> I love I love the music, and they don't have any any um, 
scripts for the quote-unquote voice acting but the sim- simlish kind of voice acting that they've done in the game is really really awesome in my personal view it's just um, like if you play sims how your characters in sims talk it's a lot like that but cuter <laughs> so yeah i think it's really really it's a very well polished game aside from those two things i think i don't pretty much have anything else that i don't like about the game all right that's great um so uh, John from kakuchopure.com said that this is probably uh, going to be in his top 5 uh, list of games of the year what about you uh, do you think that it is that good of a game I mean you've been talking about it a lot uh, in the office so yeah do you think that this is really really a good game yeah so I've been I've been I've been mulling over that question quite a bit because I recently had another chat with um, our colleague as well about is this really up Uh, in the top five um, for the year, I think so. Okay, I, I personally think so. But I do have a caveat: the game is not for everyone. So um, the game has a has a very specific niche of target audience that they're looking for. Again, um, if you love Happy Three Friends, if you love um, Rick and Morty. Cartoons like that, then this is really up your alley. But I know a lot of people who really don't like that. So I know a lot of people who actually likes um, rogue like to be a bit more, you know, ganas or I don't know, uh, gory in their own way. Um, and this might not be up their alley. And I know some people just wanna uh, hack and slash things. This game forces you to actually do resource management. So I don't think people who like just strictly hack and slash would like this game. Um, but because of that complexity, I really have to rank this game quite high. So yeah, I would say it's um, up in my top five of the year so far, and the year is almost ending. Um, and having said that, too, I guess this year was also a bit of a weird year in in the fact that we had a deluge of game coming in um, in February and earlier parts of the game, and then we kind of had a, quite quite a drought. And then I think at, towards the end of the year. We have games like God of War. Um, I think, yeah, I guess some few more games, Forspoken and stuff, have been pushed to next year. But yeah, uh, just maybe because of the lack of the options that we have, this game would would yeah would be a probably in my top five. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're tuning in to Gigi Walted and that was Najman Maliki sharing his thoughts and impressions of Cult of the Lamb, a roguelite and resource management game developed by Massive Monster and published by Devolver Digital. The game is available for most of the major consoles and also PC and Mac. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on pfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and you can also find this podcast on Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email ggwp at pfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. This has been GG Well Played. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.